episode of Progress, Potential, and Possibilities, discussions with fascinating people designing a better tomorrow for all of us. I'm your host, Ira Pastor. Welcome again, everybody, to uh, another episode of our show with another really fascinating guest for you today, uh, helping to create a better tomorrow on many different fronts. Uh, today, we are uh, going to be continuing, as I refer to it, our virtual uh, road trip around the world, and we are going to be headed over to uh, Beirut, Lebanon, uh, and, and today meeting uh, with uh, Ms. Maya Abi Shaheen, who is Program Manager at the University for Seniors uh, at the American University of Beirut. Uh, and the University for Seniors is this fascinating uh, new lifelong learning initiative at the university. It's the first of its kind in Lebanon and the Middle East, uh, which ultimately gives older adults 15 above uh, the opportunity to share their wisdom and passion, to learn new things that they've always wanted to learn in a friendly academic environment and to interact socially uh, with other seniors, but also with the faculty and students. Uh, Ms. Shaheen, Shaheen holds a, uh, an MA in both public policy and aging from King's College London. Uh, she is passionate advocate and researcher in health, well-being issues, and third age learning. And her portfolio includes working with uh, on various collaborations with United Nations agencies, including the WHO, the United Nations Population Fund, the International Labor Organization, uh, as well as international NGOs like Help Age International and various universities in the UK. Um, Sabi Shaheen has, for the last 21 years, developed a broad experience in setting up and managing programs uh, in the fields of public health, gerontology, education, uh, and throughout her career, she has developed a wide range of skills in both establishing and restructuring programs, spearheading a variety of strategies, uh, institutionalization mechanisms, and driving uh, the daily operations that ensure both customer and collaborator satisfaction. Uh, she has been leading uh, the American University, Beirut University for Seniors for the past 10 years, along with her team. Uh, and she recently co-led with uh, Dr. Abla Mejio uh, Sabah, who's co-founder and current president of the newly established Center for a uh, Studies in Aging in Lebanon, uh, and was involved in drafting the first ever national strategy on aging in Lebanon. Um, a lot of exciting things going on recently. And most recently, she had recognition of her work from the WHO Center for Health Development, uh, selecting her lifelong learning program uh, as one of the most 10 most innovative community-based social innovations uh, in the world, in both low and middle-income countries. Uh, a lot of exciting things to discuss. Uh, Ms. Mayadi Shaheen, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to come talk to us. Good morning, Ira. Thank you for inviting me, actually, to your uh, eye-opening show. And thank you for shedding light on the University for Seniors, Aging in General, Lebanon, and uh, on Lebanon, especially in these dire times the country is passing through. Thank you. So absolutely, and, and, and you work in such, uh, such a very important area, and obviously aging, healthy longevity is a, a very important topic to our show. Uh, before we get into everything you're doing, I'd just love to talk a little bit more about you. Um, if you could just uh, take a little time to uh, just further introduce yourself, everything from where you were born, uh, grew up, how you got interested in these areas, I think that'd be a great way to, to start things off. Yeah, why not? Well, I'm... Uh... I'm a village girl who actually was born and lived all her life in Beirut. Uh, 
I was born exactly three months before the start of the civil war in Lebanon in 1975. So the first 15 years of my life were uh, basically uh, under the bombs and in shelters. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is an experience that uh, shapes you for life. It uh, breaks you in so many places, but it also builds you and makes you stronger and a fighter in so many other places. And I think, uh, I mean, uh, that's how I grew up. That's how I lived. Uh, I specialized in uh, political science, but I've worked in so many fields every time, learning new things, working with NGOs, working in schools with the children and then going to AUB working with older adults so really uh, the whole spectrum and um, I mean uh, at age 42 four years ago I decided to uh, change my career and to uh, pack and go to London uh, without a penny <laughs> to pursue a master's in a totally new field, gerontology. So I specialized in public policy and aging at King's College London. And um, actually, uh, the reason why I decided to shift careers is, is because I fell in love with aging and the field of aging when I joined the University for Seniors back in 2012. It was my first encounter working with seniors. I mean, I've lived all my life around me, older people. In Lebanon, we do live in extended families, and I've always been very sensitive to my grandparents and their issues and the stories they tell me. But working at the UFS and seeing the seniors and seeing how precious, how a treasure they are, and working with uh, Abla Mahyus Da'i, Dr. Abla Mahyus Da'i, the renowned uh, uh, expert on aging, not only in Lebanon, but abroad also, uh, opened my eyes to the potential of older people, but also to the challenges of aging and the challenges that older people are facing in a country like Lebanon. I mean, what? we can talk a bit about aging and the aging profile of Lebanon, if you would like. Yeah, I, I, I think that would be a great thing to go into both, uh, and not just because um, I, I would love, love for you to talk about your work um, in terms of the national strategy, but if you could obviously walk us through a little bit um, for those that are less familiar with Lebanon, um, obviously every, all, all the countries around the world, we have a lot of aging going on, population aging dynamics, you know, are pretty much the same, but let's hear about Lebanon and let's hear what's going on and a little bit of how you got involved in the national strategy. Uh, for aging in Lebanon. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of people would think that low and middle income countries and the Arab countries are not aging and they are still young population. And people in Lebanon are very often are not aware that we are aging aging very fast and actually Lebanon is the fastest aging country in the Arab region. We have 11% of our population uh, that is aged 65 plus and this percentage is going to reach 23% by 2050 and by UN standards when you reach 23% you are classified as super old population mm. and Lebanon has numbers that are somehow not very far from European numbers when it comes to aging. I mean fertility rate dropped from 4.6 in the 70s to 1.7 today. Mm -hmm. It's a drastic drop. We are below replacement rate. The life expectancy is high. Women live uh, on average until the age of 82 in Lebanon and men until 79. I'm sorry, we always outlive you. That's true. The world. 
So, um, I mean, but if we want to talk in general about aging in Lebanon, definitely like everywhere in the world, uh, aging is an individual experience, but in general, you have uh, general traits and like um, all the low and middle income countries, you have some people getting fewer and fewer who are living longer, healthier, they're well off, they are independent, they're able to take care of themselves, but more and more older adults who are more vulnerable, more underprivileged, and um, they need social protection. So in Lebanon, uh, to give you an idea, Ira, 63% um, of older people suffer from at least one uh, NCD, non-communicable mm -hmm. diseases. That's a very high uh, rate that has, of course, repercussions uh, on health, uh, uh, social, and economic and financial. 70% um, of older Lebanese have no health coverage. 80% have no pension scheme whatsoever. And this pushes them, older adults, to work uh, late until retirement. I mean, 50% of older people stay working after the age of 65. And 14% remain working after the age of 80. This is huge. Uh, we also have 20% of older people in Lebanon who live alone. And this is the highest percentage also in the Arab world. And this has repercussions and it, because it increases the risk of social isolation and social exclusion. I mean, it's a double-edged sword. You might live alone because you are well off and you are, can afford it and you have help, which is great. But at the same time, Many older adults, especially women, uh, live alone uh, because they have no one to take care of them and uh, to be with them. And this situation that I just described, uh, Ira, is, um, is getting worse uh, by the day, actually, because of the multiple crises that the country is going through. I mean, the whole world is going through COVID and suffering from COVID. Lebanon is no exception. But in addition to COVID, uh, Lebanon has been witnessing since October 2019, not only political unrest, but also fi a total financial and economic collapse and by banking system collapse. In addition to that, the cherry on top was uh, the Beirut uh, the Beirut port explosion. Uh, last year on August 4, we actually commemorated um, the explosion a few days ago. Uh, this is the third biggest explosion in modern history after Hiroshima and Nagasaki. It destroyed half of the city. It left 300,000 people without homes, uh, killed hundreds, uh, injured thousands. Some of them are still in hospitals and people are still without answers, but that's a different issue. Uh, so uh, today, uh, I mean, a couple of months ago, uh, the numbers uh, said that 55% of Lebanese are now below poverty line. 23% are living in extreme poverty. And to give you an idea about the, the magnitude of the crisis, I mean, back in 2019, right before the collapse, 8% of Lebanese were living in extreme poverty. Today, it's 23%. Mm. And these crises and these figures and this situation will logically affect vulnerable people more than others. And older adults 
we know it from research worldwide, they are more at risk of poverty. They are more at risk of social isolation. So when you say financial collapse, when you say COVID, when you say Beirut explosion uh, that hit so many older people, then you can imagine the impact on them. Now, it's a blink, bleak picture. And... Um, Unfortunately, it's getting worse, as I said, uh, worse, as I said, by the day. But uh, I mean, uh, you always can see silver linings and some lights. Uh, one of these lights is the, really the adoption of the first ever national strategy on aging in Lebanon. That's the first ever. And I see it as a, as a, as a good first step. Uh, not, uh, 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 I mean, it's it's uh, it's not going to do miracles, but it's a very important first step because for yeah. the first time, older people are and their issues are put on the agenda of policymakers because throughout the history of Lebanon, older people have been left behind and they were never under the spotlight and never on the agenda. So, and I I I had the honor actually, to co-lead on drafting the national strategy with, again, Dr. Abla Mahyoustai. And it was uh, adopted in March 2021. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, the work on it was, uh, <laughs> was a roller coaster, like everything in Lebanon. It took two and a half years instead of taking six months, mm -hmm. because every time we were about to finalize it and to launch it, some big crisis would happen and we would need to do some more research and more surveys with older people and talk to experts on the ground to see how to reformulate and adapt. But um, I mean, this was very long, very, <laughs> very, uh, very hard work, but at least we managed to have a, a strategy that we can say is pretty holistic and looks at older people in really a very holistic way. And to give you an example, uh, tell me if I'm talking too much. No, 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 <laughs> keep, keep going. No, 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 I, love, I love examples. No, I love people to talk <laughs> and I love examples. So please, uh, the floor yeah. is yours. Okay. Um, so, so the Madrid uh, International Plan of Action on Aging, uh, MIPA, has three axes, uh, older people and health, older people and development, older people and enabling environment. For us, the framework that actually Dr. Sibai uh, really came up with has six axes okay. to be able, uh, six that, that are interlinked and that, that talk to each other and in order to really see uh, older people in a holistic global way because they are holistic being at the end of the day and everything is interrelated. So the first axis would be about health. And really the approach was not only to talk about physical health and the NCDs, it, this is very important and this is there, but really to put an emphasis on mental health yeah. because mental health of older people people has always been a taboo or people would consider it as a luxury but now research new research in neuroscience and epigenetics they all showed that really mental health and shifting your mindset are key to your physical health and your social health and 
I mean, uh, 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 the strategy puts emphasis, emphasis on that. The second axis is the social and economic uh, security, which is today really <laughs> like, uh, as I said, 80% are without pension plans. Uh, 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 remittances of their kids working abroad and sending their parents money in Lebanon are decreasing. Poverty rates are increasing in a, in a, in a, a spiking. Mm -hmm. So really, uh, uh, to, to rethink, uh, to, to create a social protection floor that is equitable and just is is really a must today more than ever before. One that takes into consideration older people, uh, one where they are not left uh, uh, at the margin of any new plans. And this will require the work from government, from municipalities, from the private sector, from international NGOs. I mean, because of course the government cannot do I mean, especially nowadays. The third axis would be participation and positive image. And this is really crucial and critical uh, because more and more uh, uh, research is showing that the more you remain engaged as you age, the healthier you age. Yep. And unfortunately, I mean, older people do have a lot of contributions, not only in Lebanon, but worldwide. And the contributions are very often left unrecognized and not monetized. I mean, the, the, the grandparenting roles that they do when they babysit their grandchildren, if right. you monetize it, this is allowing kids to go to work, yep. their, their offsprings to go to work. I mean, they are very active very often in the uh, non-for-profit uh, 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 sector. Uh, they volunteer. They Many of them re remain in, in the work uh, field, you know, until late uh, in their age. Mm -hmm. so, so, so their contributions are not recognized. We want their uh, contributions to re be recognized. And we want to offer them opportunities to remain engaged, not necessarily by working, but by volunteering, by joining programs like the University for Seniors. And the strategy really emphasized the issue of positive image and of ageism. And recently, uh, IRA, uh, the WHO and UNFPA issued the World Report on Ageism. Yep. That's the first time that such a report is issued. And WHO says this is a social determinant of health that has long been neglected. Ageism is rampant throughout the world. And the problem is that it's silent. People don't talk about it. Right. People don't want to talk about aging in general, because I guess no one wants to get old because no one wants to, to die. <laughs> Although that's the, the only certainty in life. That's the only one. We're all heading there no matter what. So uh, instead of making the best out of it, people want to run away from it. People want to leave older people on the side. They don't want to see them. They don't want to acknowledge them. Yeah. And older people themselves actually are ageist. I mean, the report, the WHO report says that self-directed ageism is very strong and it's the one that has the highest negative impact on health because also research showed that people who are subject to ageism they live several years less uh, 
so 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 the the strategy looks at this and it looks at the media media should change the negative stereotypes uh, schools uh, curriculum you know books in lebanon they still portray when they uh, you have drawings and school books i mean older people are always on a cane very uh, fragile i mean some are like that but not all right And and then we live in a country where okay our cultural values and religious values they value older people but at the same time even the words we use are very negative when we describe older people they all show fragility uh, frailty dependence the the crippency I don't know the, the sure. uh, how, how do you, the, is this the correct word decrepitude so yeah. Even, even, menopause, <laughs> guess what it's called? The age of despair in Arabic. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine, like, it's like your life ends there. So, so that's the third axis. The, fir- the fourth one is family support and intergenerational. Sure. Because we have a huge problem there, and I think it's worldwide. I mean... Uh, uh, governments all over the world are not able to finance home care and institutional care anymore. The numbers in the UK dropped from 11% to 7% of institutionalized older adults. So needless to say, in Lebanon, home care, institutional care are practically non-existent. So the burden of care falls on the family, and especially on women who are above the age of 50 and who are single. These are international statistics, and Lebanon is not an exception to that. So, and the burden of care on caregivers is is really very high, and very often uh, people don't look at this. I mean, the financial burden on caregivers. Uh, caregivers have to very often leave their jobs. Uh, their physical and mental health gets affected, and also abuse increases with. Uh, with the caregiving because really it's a very tough tough job to do so there are a lot of things to consider when it comes to that uh, the fifth axis is the built environment because we need yeah. outdoor spaces transport and the indoor spaces that are uh, um, uh, convenient and um, that go with older people's needs and this is crucial because it will help older people maintain their independence and it will allow them to remain active. If you have a good transport system, they can go and be active outside the home. If not, they're confined, socially isolated, boom, mental, physical health are affected. And the last axis is uh, older people who are suffering from abuse and in uh, conflict zones. So abuse, I mean, abuse is still a taboo in Lebanon. Uh, but worldwide, 15% of older people are subject to abuse. Mm. Uh, financial abuse in Lebanon is rampant uh, when mm. it comes to older people. And now uh, there is a law that is being drafted in that regard. And of course, conflict, older people in conflict. Um, I don't know if you know, Ira, but uh, Lebanon has the highest number of refugees worldwide per capita. Worldwide. We are 4 million Lebanese. We have about 2 million refugees, mm-hmm. Syrian, Iraqis, and other nationalities, but mainly Syrian. And 
unfortunately, unfortunately, research showed that older refugees are totally left behind by policymakers and by aid agencies, not only in Lebanon, but worldwide. Like today, 1% only of aid funding goes to older refugees. Mm. So they are totally left behind and their potential is not uh, recognized because very often older refugees, they are the ones who play a role in peace, peace, mm. sorry, peacekeeping uh, uh, negotiations and in conflict resolution. Uh, they are also the beholders of uh, heritage. I mean, they left their countries. So, so, so they are the ones who can keep the traditions and the skills going. They are the ones who can pass them on to their kids and their grandkids. And all this is not recognized. And on the contrary, they are just disregarded by aid. I, I conducted a research actually uh, with all the refugees in Lebanon, older Syrian refugees in Lebanon. And uh, I mean, the results showed that uh, they don't benefit from vocational uh, training programs. They don't benefit from cash assistances because these only focus on younger adults who can find work. Uh, assistive aids like hearing aids, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, glasses, mm -hmm. uh, they also go to younger people who need to go to school or need to work. Heart surgeries. They, they very often target uh, children, refugees, not older refugees. So they are, they are, I mean, underprivileged. So this is, uh, I mean, in a nutshell, uh, how the strategy tried to look at, um, at the problems holistically. It, it, it's extremely holistic, uh, extremely comprehensive, and you obviously put a lot of time and effort and thought into this, and, and you bring up themes like intergenerationality, like ageism, like the social determinants, which you know, are oh, so very important, which, which you touched on, and so I really appreciate this uh, comprehensive view. Um, now let's get down to Obviously, you were saying there's a lot of there's a lot of issues in Lebanon. Um, <laughs> let's get to some of the positive silver line now, because yes. um, now let's you and um, Dr. Sabai about a couple of years ago you wrote this piece in um, it was actually a book on uh, chapter. yeah chapter yeah, cha <laughs> cha chapter University of the Third Age in Lebanon challenges opportunities and prospects um, and, and I sort of this is this gives us an introduction to what we're talking about in terms of university for seniors but walk us through this general concept of what the University of the Third Age means and then if you could what then from that take us into the University of Seniors at AUB and, and how this all got started. Yeah, great. Uh, exactly, some positivity. <laughs> that is I not know, We like positive from, stuff to him. <laughs> yes, definitely. But a positivity that is not detached from reality. Right. I, I think this is, this is very crucial. Sure. I mean, with regards to the University for Seniors or what is more known worldwide as the universities of the third age, Université du Troisième Age, mm. um, I mean, uh, 
and lifelong learning in general. Like if you look at MIPA, the, again, the Madrid International Plan of Action on Aging and the WHO Active uh, Aging uh, Framework, they all uh, mention and highlight the importance of working on lifelong learning, of mm -hmm. encouraging and enhancing lifelong learning in older age because of the potential health outcomes uh, it has. And research more and more, uh, of course, when we say research, it's mainly in um, in, in high-income uh, countries. Um, I mean, unfortunately, because 85% of older people are in low- and middle-income countries, but research there is still very scarce. So um, research shows more and more the uh, positive health outcomes of uh, later life learning and lifelong learning. So the, the, the movement of universities of the third age was actually started about four decades ago. In 1972, the first university for seniors was born in uh, the University of Toulouse in, in France. Okay. Uh, and it was founded by uh, Pierre Villa. And uh, since then, uh, we've seen an explosion of uh, universities of the third age and different models of these universities across the world. Like you have the French model as created by Villa, which is uh, universities are based uh, in a university actually, and they have a top uh, bottom approach and they're academic. And then you have the British model that is a bit more, um, uh, democratic or a bottom-up approach, a participatory approach. It is uh, the British model, you know, the, the, the university for seniors under the British model are usually not uh, hosted in universities. They are hosted in community centers, uh, in the community in general, and they are based on uh, peer learning, uh, uh, not necessarily university teachers and professors who are teaching. And you have the hybrid models that combine a bit of both. You have the Canadian model, which combines formal learning, which is four degree learning with uh, the lifelong learning that is more pleasure, learning for the pleasure of learning. You have the South American model, which is focused on reaching out to the most deprived and so on and so forth. And but but in a nutshell, basically, the movement when it first started in 72, it was it had a humanist philosophy that says that uh, uh, universities of the third age, they are a learning for the pleasure of learning programs. You go there, you don't pursue a degree and uh, you're just there to to um, to enjoy it. And therefore, if you look around the world, uh, I mean, um, most people who enroll in these programs come from the middle class or okay. upper middle class or uh, the higher uh, class uh, because they have time, they have um, the means because very often they need to pay. Um, so that, that's traditionally, but you, you also have a, another a way of seeing it, another philosophy that is the critical educational gerontology that says that no, education even in later life has a social change uh, objective. You need to go there to build some skills, 
to learn to 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 change yourself and mm -hmm. change your environment you need to be empowered you need to be emancipated you need to get the tools in order to be social uh, agents of change but in all cases, no matter the philosophy or the model, um, research showed so far that these universities, they have, uh, they have benefits, uh, they have impact on people and older people and their health. Uh, 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 um, they have an impact on well-being, uh, on self-esteem, on mm -hmm. the sense of control, uh, cognitive reserves, of course, social reserves, etc. So AUB is University for Seniors comes here. Mm -hmm. uh, I, actually, it was created in 2010, so not very early on in the movement. We are 11 years now old. We're almost getting to adolescence. <laughs> and uh, the program was created by two beautiful professors at the American University of Beirut. Um, Professor Cynthia Minty and uh, Professor Abla Mahyusbai. And both of them are professors of public health. And mm -hmm. this is not a coincidence. Um, they come from public health because actually research in public health, as we said, proved and showed that the more you remain active as you age, active mentally, physically, socially, the healthier you age. The more you delay, the onset of diseases. Mm. So for this reason, uh, and uh, because Lebanon is the fastest aging in the region, and because AUB conducted a study in its neighborhood that showed that older people are very lonely uh, and they don't have opportunities to remain, um, uh, that allows them to be meaningfully engaged. For all these three reasons, Abla and Cynthia decided to create this program back in 2010. And as you said, Ira, it is the first such program, not only in Lebanon, but in the Middle East. And the vision of the program is basically to create a new positive image of aging. Yeah. One where older people remain active and engaged and contributors. And the program really, I mean, uh, it grew exponentially because it is needed and because uh, it's, it's new and it's, it really has benefits. So it grew. I mean, we started back in 2010 offering um, three courses. And now uh, every term we have about 25 lectures and about uh, 17 mini courses several trips a month, uh, so many cultural and social activities. We started with 50 members, and now we have about 600 people mm. joining every year. Uh, so far, uh, during the past 11 years, we've offered um, uh, uh, around the 480 something lectures, 310 courses, uh, 62 trips, educational trips. We have uh, around 500 people who gave classes with us, lecturers. Uh, and we have about 4,000 uh, people um, who joined. So uh, throughout, you know, the 11 years. So, um, I mean, as I said, the program is uh, grew exponentially. Yep. And um, this is because of the the positive impact it's having on 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 the members uh, like 
psychologists and gerontologists uh, in Beirut are prescribing the program to their patients, to their older patients, uh, because they see the health benefits of it. Uh, public health professionals are calling it a primary health intervention, intervening mm -hmm. before the onset of diseases. And um, to me, I mean, the, the testimonies that we get from the members and from their kids. Yep. Uh, because it is a very social program and we know them all one by one and we know their families also in, in a lot of cases. I mean, they, told, they tell us, uh, like, my father is a changed man since he joined the program. Uh, the members tell us, uh, I mean, you, you, you made us see that we have a lot of potential yet to be achieved. Um, we've seen that many, because unfortunately, we, we lost several members along the way. And their kids tell us, and we've seen it. I mean, the only place they used to go out to and the last phases of their life and their illnesses was the university for seniors. Uh, some of them, their kids have to accompany them to, to class. They stay with them because they are afraid, but mm -hmm. they don't, they don't want to miss out on the classes. Yep. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm, we're talking about the impact. I always like to, to call it, um, to, to describe it as a ripple effect, actually. At the beginning, we started seeing the impact on the members, uh -huh. and then we started seeing the impact on the families, mm -hmm. uh, because uh, older people, when they are feeling better, they're more empowered, they're more uh, engaged, they're more active, they're able to support themselves and support their families, they're more able to engage with their families. And now we're seeing an impact on the community because they're being more and more engaged in the communities. They're demanding to be more engaged. We can talk about this if you want. So, and we've seen an impact on women's empowerment. And this is beautiful. I mean, a lot of uh, the women members with us, um, <clears throat> they're, they're housewives. They've never worked. So they come and they tell us, this is the first thing we do just for us, not for our husbands, not for our uh, kids. And now we sit with them in the TV room and we're confident to discuss issues. And yep. we, we propose issues to discuss, like we can discuss neuroscience and astrophysics now. And because these are classes and lectures that they attend. So it's, it's, it's really the the I, I think the impact is is uh, is just beautiful. Uh, social isolation that is decreasing, fighting ageism. Uh, we had a student, a master's uh, students uh, from uh, student from Finland who came and did a study on uh, the members to see the impact. And fifty eight percent talked about the social benefits of the program, sixty two about the psychological benefits, and forty eight about this, the uh, the cognitive benefits. So um, yeah, and you know, it's, it's, as you as you're talking about this, and I did before. Um before we we had a chance to chat, I, I did watch some of the videos and yeah, the the participants are excited and engaged. And um, you know, it's it's as you're as you're mentioning the as the program has grown and, and, and as you said, you know, the, the 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 program offers a range of things from 
very simple, like, you know, how, how I work this cell phone to, as you're saying, <laughs> astrophysics, geophysics, really mm-hmm. comprehensive stuff. And I mean, there's, I, I really enjoy that sort of spectrum there. But the, the other thing I was thinking about as I was watching and listening, you know, thinking to all the things now, and you're, you're, you're young, <laughs> younger than me, but thinking about the things that the younger generation doesn't know how to do anymore. <laughs> um, that, you know, older people may actually have, and I think of things like, for instance, my son has no idea how to take care of his car <laughs> or the car. Mm. You know, that's just something that the kids don't know. It's all computers now, but there used to be people that took care of cars in the past. Um, are, are there sort of some of the trickle-down benefits that you see that, well, you know, the the seniors not only learning, but you know, they know stuff that, wait a second, we don't offer this anymore, but there's knowledge there that we're forgetting about that you know, comes the other way as well. Yes. I mean, yeah, we have a program that we created with the students' affairs at the AUB that is called Senior to Senior. Okay. And it's actually... Um, uh, mock job interviews okay uh, like we have seniors who volunteered uh, some work in the petroleum industry some worked all their life in finance and teaching etc yep. etc et and we told the students those are the people those are the profiles pick with whom you would like to be and they conducted mock uh, mock job interviews with them we had another program also lebanese people who live abroad and um, who visit uh, lebanon during summer and they come to aub for um, arabic language summer courses uh, and we put them with uh, we paired them uh, we paired them with uh, our members so that not only they practice arabic language but also uh, so that they tell them about the values the heritage yep. the culture the history of the country and even you in our regular classes like we have some of our classes that are delivered by a young aub students uh so especially the tech classes uh, social media how to operate your cell phone your ipad etc photoshop uh, 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 photography students come and tell us that we are teaching them but they are teaching us with everything they have and they always come back and they refer their their friends like just uh, 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 last week, we had an AUB student asking us to give a class in the fall about the uh, classical works in literature and the um, uh, the Greek mythologies, mm-hmm. uh, because he was referred by another friend who gave uh, one of the tech classes with us. So the, inter- the, the exchanges are so, so rich. And that's why I, I always, Ira, say and I truly believe that when we talk about older people and fighting ageism we we should not look as if we are advocating for a war of generations right it's not young people against old people it's not we're not saying older people are more important or their health and life is more important but it's not less important we are equal and the society is like the human body. Uh, that's how I see it. It's yeah. like 
we, we need all of our organs to function properly and to function in harmony and in balance. In balance. So we older people have stuff, younger people have stuff that they can benefit from each other and they need support. So and that's how the way to go about it. Very but important also, message. I mean, yeah, yeah. We, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Maybe because I'm fed up of wars also that I always look at things to be harmonious and constructive instead of uh, 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 to clash and to destroy and to fight and mm -hmm. to, um, you know, uh, sure. yeah. But also you were saying that uh, young people know things and old people know other things and maybe they can teach each other. Like one remarkable thing that happened at the university for seniors with the start of COVID and confinement is that our members were able to change the narrative that says that older people cannot cope with online learning. This is something that is somehow reserved to younger adults and young people. And the older people are not in this whole tech era. Well, the day Lebanon decided to go into confinement, that's the day we decided to go online. Since March 2019, we've been fully online. The first two months, we weren't yet on Zoom. <laughs> we were on Facebook giving lectures. And guess what? 13,000 people attended, uh, attended our talks on Facebook. Since then, we are online fully. We've only lost 5% of our very regular members when we went online. Last term, uh, we were giving all our classes on Zoom. Guess what the average attendance per lecture was on Zoom? 100 members, 100. Sometimes it went up to 150, 170, and they all interact. And they, they raised their hands on Zoom. I don't know how to raise my hand on Zoom up until now. I do this. <laughs> <laughs> and the team makes fun of me because I do this. And <laughs> so they chat, they put comments, they, 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 I mean, uh, and they, although at the start they were a bit reluctant and they told us, how will we cope? But actually, they did it beautifully. And what they tell us now about going online is just amazing because it helped them so much fight their social isolation. Yeah. To, having, to have this program not crumble and not fall apart and not leave them alone was so uh, positive for them. And um, we also actually did as a team something we called wellness calls, uh, whereby every week we used to call everybody, uh, especially the ones we know are more socially isolated than others. And this encouraged them to start calling each other more and to opening WhatsApp groups uh, on which they are uh, in contact on daily basis daily basis, whether we have a term or we don't have a term. And they created their own activities, like they created an art group that uh, uh, started painting to be able to heal themselves and express themselves in these times. And they did virtual exhibitions. Can mm. you imagine virtual <laughs> exhibitions? They have a music group 
they have book club groups, they have a virtual travel group. So, I mean, they're just, it was just fantastic, still is. And we have plenty of testimonies telling us how much the program became their bigger family and how much it helped them cope with the multiple crises and how much it reduced their social isolation and how much they are a support network for each other. That's I mean, the, U the UK created uh, back in 2018, the Ministry of Loneliness because the government realized how much social isolation is causing the government in terms of health. It is detrimental for health. Ageism also is detrimental. And such programs and such communities would help alleviate some of the negative impact of these. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, what's next? Uh, any, uh, can you give us a little hint, uh, things that are coming up in the next uh, couple years, new parts of the program, anything that you want to mention? Well, uh, Building on the momentum that the national strategy has created and building on the success of the UFS, the University for Seniors, over the, the past 11 years. And given what is happening in Lebanon, what we are aspiring for and the, the members themselves are aspiring for is for them to become really flagships of, uh, of older people's rights. Uh, because so far, older people in Lebanon don't have their own associations and their voices are not heard. Uh, and, and you know that un, un, until they start demanding their rights, no one yeah. is going to get them to them. So, yeah. so they, they, they are uh, uh, heading towards this and we are working with them on this. Like by the, with the courses we are offering, with the opportunities we are offering them, like many of them were engaged in the latest municipal elections, others in recycling projects, others in walkability projects. They were involved in the strategy itself because we dedicated one of the focus groups to them mm -hmm. to hear their voices. Now we're working on, an, on the issue of social protection. Uh, also, a focus group will be just for them to make their voices heard about that. So this is one thing we're, we're working on with them. Another thing is uh, really, and this is, has been Abla's idea uh, all the way, to create a program of excellence on aging at AUB. And this program would be the first uh, not only in Lebanon, but in the region. And the program would, would have three arms like one for research on aging. As I told you, research is still very scarce on aging in the region. Okay. The second arm would be education under which you have the university for seniors and you have trainings and courses that would be delivered to social workers and to um, uh, nurses and to caregivers in order to build their capacities about older people's needs. And the third arm would be advocacy, advocacy okay. for older people's rights and issues. 
Another idea that we have and that we started working on is replicating the program in other parts of Lebanon and abroad. Mm -hmm. And the first university for seniors abroad that was created is um, in Palestine, in Bethlehem. Okay. Uh, two years ago, they worked for two years with us. We exchanged our experience and everything, and they have now their own uh, university for seniors. We're also working on culti cultivating our network with the WHO, with UNFPA, mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. HelpAge, uh, with all the international community in order for us to really become a hub for older people's issues. And all this while the country is crumbling, unfortunately. <laughs> and But yeah, I guess... Uh, these situations push you more and more to work and to do something because the need uh, increases yeah. more yeah. and more. So, yeah. so yeah. a lot, a lot of positive things come out of stressful situations mm. throughout history. So, uh, and I think that you, with what you're doing, you have uh, positioned this uh, so elegantly uh, to, to really be uh, an answer for many problems. Uh, obviously not, explosions and pandemics but uh at the you know uh you see where i'm going with this so, so it's a hopefully <laughs> um my, while i have you just you know one last thing i you know coming back to you um obviously throughout your career you've met many fascinating people in, in government and in, in academia and uh, in, in private industry uh you've talked about professor sabai a lot on, on this show uh just if you, if you take take the floor and just uh, mention other mentors influencers other really important people that have been alongside you uh, over your career through these initiatives that you want to give a little shout out to or credit yeah yeah, a lot, as you said, uh, of course, and uh, from all walks of life and all uh, all steps uh, of one's life, you meet uh, people. And, and, and I do believe that everyone who comes across your path is there for a reason and uh, to teach you something. Mm -hmm. And um, I've been taught a lot by so many people. And the first one, I mean, is, is, uh, is my... my uh, teacher, my mentor at my first university here in Beirut when I was doing my master's in political science. As I told you, I, I grew up uh, during the civil war uh, and in Beirut, my parents never left Beirut. So we, we witnessed each and every fight and each and every electricity cut and no food and, and, and. anyway. So I got to university uh, broken on so many levels and fearful on so many levels and definitely not believing in myself. Hmm. And then I see this woman. I mean, uh, they're all women, the, the ones I'm going to be talking about. Uh, I see her. Uh, uh, she's, she's one of the most fervent advocates and activists for human rights and women's rights. And she's always worked for peace building in Lebanon during the war and uh, uh, um, for, for, uh, uh, for creating a, a state in, in, in the real sense of it, you know, uh, and, and, and citizens, citizenship. And, and she came and she, she really showed me that I, I, I should believe in myself. And she showed me my potential. And she showed me that even if there's a war, you can fight and you can build and you can fly and you can grow. And I graduated first in my, um, 
in my class uh, really? back then. Yeah. I mean, and uh, um, other other women, I mean, the three, the three outstanding inspirational uh, leaders of the university for seniors. Ablas Bay for sure, and I've talked about her a lot, but also Cynthia Minty and Sausan Maktabi, because they're three uh, very peaceful and powerful forces. That's how I like to describe them. They are the the leaders, uh, not in the traditional sense, people portray leaders as, you know, uh, with this all uh, male uh, energy uh, 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 pushing uh, forward. And they are the types of leaders who are very participatory, very mm. generous, very giving, who teach. They are not, uh, uh, they don't let the information just for themselves. And they, the three of them are older women and they taught me that you can reinvent yourself at any step of the way and at any age. Uh, they are all older women and they're still getting promoted and they're still reinventing themselves. And it's because of them and because of the seniors that I decided, as I told you, at age 42 to change my career, to go to London and to, to study in a language I've never studied in. I'm French educated all the way. So my, my two main languages are Arabic and French, not English. And um, yeah, I mean, you life starts at 40, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> or at any point, whenever you want. Well, yeah. Well, Maya, it's, it's, it's a beautiful story. Uh, you know, everything that you've accomplished and uh, continue uh, to accomplish with this program. And I think it's, it's going to serve as such an important uh, example of, of what's possible in this specific domain. And, and, and as you were saying, this, this integrated holistic approach is, is so uh, very much needed in, in 2021 and beyond. So uh, really, really wishing you the best uh, with all of this um, for everybody that uh, is going to be listening to this episode uh, of the show on the podcast or watching on the YouTube channel. Uh, you've been listening to Maya Bichashahin, uh, Program Manager at the University for Seniors at American University of Beirut uh, in Lebanon. Uh, Maya, once again, I, I want to take time to thank you for for taking time out of your schedule to come talk to us. Uh, thank you, obviously, for everything you're doing over there. And as we say on our show, uh, thanks for helping to create the better tomorrow. Very, very inspiring story. Um, I want to thank you, really, for shedding light on all this. And uh, if I may, I don't know, one last word. I Please. would like to really pay respect to all the seniors in Lebanon. Like, these are people who lived so many wars. The, the last civil war in 75 is not the last one. We've known several after that mm. and before that. So many crashes, so many invasions, so many explosions. And, uh, and they are still pushing and, and giving and contributing. And they want to fight and they want to change and they want to help. So it's their right to be socially protected. It's their right to be respected. It's their right to be taken into account and to be counted on, actually. Not only supported, but counted on. So respect to all of them, my parents included. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful message, really. Thank, thank you for that. <laughs>